Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. And so now Joshua 17 and verse 7. And the territory of Manasseh was from Asher to Michmethath that lies east of Shechem, and the border went along south to the inhabitants of Entapua. Manasseh had the land of Tapua, but Tapua on the border of Manasseh belonged to the children of Ephraim. And the border descended to the brook Cana, southward to the brook. These cities of Ephraim are among the cities of Manasseh. The border of Manasseh was on the north side of the brook, and it ended at the sea. Southward, it was Ephraim's. Northward, it was Manasseh's, and the sea was its border. Manasseh's territory was adjoining Asher on the north and Issachar on the east. And in Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh had Beth Shean and its towns, Iblium and its towns, the inhabitants of Dor and its towns, the inhabitants of Endor and its towns, the inhabitants of Tenak and its towns, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its towns, three hilly regions. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. So we had read in previous chapters a group that could not do it, a group that would not do it. Now we have a group that could not do it, but then they got to where they could do it and would not do it. (laughs) We're getting every combination of, I'm just not going to deal with it. Well, I can't, so I'm, I'm off the hook. I don't have the power. Well, you didn't have the power at first. Now you do, and you decided not to. Okay, there's a lot of problems going on here, uh, again, uh, because that's what happens when you have man in the mix, right? (laughs) Uh, So we have a list of these several cities. Here were Canaanite towns or fortresses. And like I said, the sons of Manasseh did the same thing that the Ephraimites did. Didn't drive them out, but they put them to forced labor. Let's make them work. All right, now we got you. Now we're going to get something out of you. Opportunists. I worked with an opportunist once, and he drove me nuts. I couldn't stand him. He looked for every little possible thing he could squeeze out of anybody for his own gain. And I went to the Lord in prayer one day. I said, I can't stand that guy. He goes, good. That's exactly who you used to be. (laughs) And he was making me learn who I was by being around this other guy who was just like me. I'm like, okay. Sorry about that one up. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you learn, right? So anyway, they're, they're opportunists, and they're putting the Canaanites to forced labor instead of wiping them out like God told them to. Now, real quick before we go on, a little off track here, but some people would wonder, why would God tell anybody to wipe a people out? That just doesn't sound very loving. Well, I think it's loving in the fact that he gave them centuries to come to repentance, and they wouldn't. And now it's judgment time. 
And it's the same thing that's going to happen on this world. God is at at this moment, all the terrible things that are going on in this world, the atheist asks, well, if God exists, why do bad things happen? Well, he's letting people have time to come to repentance, but there's coming a time when he has to judge it. And he's going to. And when it gets here, it's not going to be nice. And people are going to go, oh, this isn't the God I, I, I believed in because they're not pursuing the God of the Bible. They need to know that God is very angry about sin and he gives people time and he's very patient. But there comes a time when that runs out, the time runs out, and he has to execute judgment. And for these Canaanites, they had a curse on them since Noah's time, long time ago. Now it's time for judgment and he's exercising his judgment on the Canaanites through the Israelite people. The Israelites were supposed to be judgment on the Canaanites. That's just how God operates sometimes when he chooses to do it that way. But they chose not to do what God said and utterly destroy them. You do realize God is going to ultimately and finally someday utterly destroy all sin. All sin has been taken care of upon the cross, and there's still people sinning today. There's coming a judgment day. It's all going to be done and over with, and you're either going to be in Jesus Christ and get eternal life, or you're going to choose willfully not to and be put in condemnation where it's going to be judged down in hell. It's better to let your judgment fall on Jesus than on yourself in hell. It's going to be dealt with one way or another, and it's going to be put down. Well, they decided not to put the people down as God told them to. They decided to get something out of them. You ever had a little pet sin that you thought, well, yeah, I'm a Christian and I'm repenting and all, but I could really use that sin. That, I, I kind of like that one. I, I get something out of it. <laughs> Ain't nobody needs to know, you know. I mean, I can go to church and be quiet about it. And nobody knows I'm doing it. And yeah, Oh, okay, here we go. This is the Canaanites uh, with, with, the, with Israel here. They're, they're using them for something. Oh, we got some work to do. You know, those trees could be cut down. I got some trash needs burned. We'll make them do it. No, you were supposed to do it yourself. Get rid of the Canaanites. They wouldn't do that. And so they should have remembered God's promise because the Canaanites, as we talked about a couple of times back, the Canaanites become a problem to them. Oh, we got the upper hand now, but wait till later. The Canaanites is going to get them. And they should have remembered God's promise to be victorious over their enemies. God gave them a promise that they could be victorious over their enemies, and they're not acting on that promise. you got to act on the promises of God. you first got to know the promises of God and then act on those promises. And so now the lack of faith here that they're demonstrating is starting to have a damaging effect. It's causing trouble. They're not doing what God said to do. Get that out of here. Well, I, I'm going to use it for something. Now you got problems starting to come up. Let's go on and, as we're going to see more in Joshua 17 and 14. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit? Since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now. So Joshua answered them, If you are a great people, Then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Peritzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. So here's a rather hostile complaint here. (laughs) We need more. And they they throw it at Joshua. Our area is not big enough. We're a big, big people. We've we got a lot of population. Give us another lot to draw. Give us more land. But I like how Joshua kind of turned the tables. He didn't refuse them more land. 
But he did turn the tables and he says, well, since you're so many people, that makes you strong enough to go clear the forest yourself. Go do it then. If you're so great. And Joshua didn't deny him more space. He gave him more space, but he also placed the proper responsibility on the children of Joseph, expecting them to take care of it. Joshua 17 and 16. But the children of Joseph said, the mountain country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are of Beth Sheon and its towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. (laughs) That's not really what they wanted to hear, was it? (laughs) You ever say, oh, Lord, give me something, and he gives it to you, and you go, yeah, but not that. (laughs) You ever done I've done it a hundred times. God, forgive me. They deliberately insisted with Joshua that the mountains weren't enough and that they could not take on the Canaanites. They couldn't take them on. They had really talked themselves into defeat before they even tried, didn't they? Have you ever done that too? It's too much. I can't do it. You admit defeat before you even step into the battle. That's not the way to go on nothing, is it? They wanted more land, just not that land. Give us something easier. Give me something easier. And since the first time didn't work, Joshua responded to them already, but since the first time didn't work, he had to get tough with them again. You ever have your parents or somebody have to tell you twice? Well, apparently it didn't get through. (laughs) I guess I got to tell you again, and the next time ain't going to be as easy as the first time. So that's what Joshua does. He, he says, no, you're a numerous tribe. You're very powerful, and you are quite capable of driving out the Canaanites, even though they have iron chariots. You know, I, I, got, I have to remember, Joshua is a military expert. He's been a general. He's been fighting for a long time. He knows this stuff. He knows how to look at a people group and count their numbers and evaluate their strength of their forces and determine what they can and cannot do. And he says, you guys can take this. You can do this. And he even offered them guidance on how to claim more inheritance like they wanted. They just didn't want to do it. Joshua was really trying to build them back into acting by faith. Like Caleb did back in chapter 14. Caleb went to claim his his inheritance, but he was not afraid of the Canaanites that dwelled in the area that he was going to take. He wasn't scared of them at all. And why was he not scared? Because he knew the promise of God that God made to Abraham. He knew how that was supposed to go down. It's found in Genesis 15 and 18. The Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have what? Given this land. And he tells how big an area from the river of Egypt to the great river to the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites. The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, and who? The Canaanites. The Canaanites are in that list. Are we not seeing this? 
And Israel's supposed to know that the Canaanites are in that list, but they're still scared of them anyway. The Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now, the Jebusites were that people group that the others couldn't get out of uh, the Jerusalem area. And they're, but they're in, they're in the curse. They're marked, scheduled for judgment by God. God says, I've gave you this land. It's yours. Go get it. No, we don't want to go get it. There's Canaanites up there. Well, don't you remember your promise? Caleb remembered his promise. And so the Abraham covenant, it maps out the full extent of all the area. If you see that, it talks about where all the full extent of the area that Israel is supposed to know that they will have success in. You should know your boundaries. Okay, I can do this. God gave them boundaries from way over here to way over here. I gave it to you. Even the people that's in it, you're going to kick them out. All of this is yours. Well, we can't, we can't do that. We can't do that. Is that doubting God or what? That's doubting him. And so all the land that the children of Joseph had been asking for, that they're asking for here, even though they don't want to go get it, all this land is well within this promised area. It's well within this, this area that God promised them. But because of doubt, they're not trusting in God fully like Caleb did. Caleb went and got his. They won't go for theirs because they're doubting God. Guys, doubt is a killer. Doubt is a faith killer. And let me give you a, a red flag alert for your, for your spirit walk. Worry is an alarm that something's wrong with your faith. You catch yourself worrying, that is not faith. It's the opposite. Oh, Ray, you just really hit a nerve, man. I worry all the time. Okay, good. <laughs> when you catch yourself worrying, something's off on your faith. Get in the word, get into prayer. That'll take care of that. So they're admitting defeat here now before they even step into the battle. Quite frankly, they just don't want to do it. They don't, they're, they're doubting. They don't think they can. They're admitting defeat before they get in. Shouldn't they be acting on God's promise of victory? That's my question. Now, it's easy to point at them and say that. What about us? <laughs> Shouldn't you be acting upon the Lord's promise of victory? Where has all this doubt come from? Where did this suddenly come from? They're supposed to just go right in and do it. We saw them go in and take Jericho. We saw them, they messed up once, but they came back and took the city of Ai. They went and took out all these conquests. All of a sudden, all of a sudden we can't do it. What happened? That's kind of where my thought process was at when I was studying this. What happened that started this mess? Let's recall back a few passages. I want you to see how many times. Joshua 15 and 63, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Now let's jump up to Joshua 16, 10. And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. Joshua 17, 13. They put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. Guys, I'm starting to see a pattern here. Do you see it? This is happening way too many times. They're not doing what God said. This group didn't do it. This group didn't do it. And this group didn't do it. And once a spirit of fear takes hold, and before you know it, everybody's defeated before they step in the battle. I hope that we are learning to walk in righteousness of Christ with a surety in the promises that God gives us. Because once you start giving into fear, you develop a pattern 
and it gets into everybody else. You see where this is going? Joshua recognized they had the power to defeat the Canaanites, but because a spirit of fear had infiltrated the Israelites, then the victory that God had promised them now seems impossible, doesn't it? Luke 18, 27. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You know, modern day Christianity, oh my gosh, how to put this? Um, Modern day Christianity, I think it looks almost nothing like how the Bible describes it. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. And today the Christian faith has been diminished down so bad. And people out there are so scared of everything that's going to happen. Because the news media is feeding them fear. Here, take this big shovel full of fear, 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 fear. And everybody's getting so freaked out and so scared of everything that when people see warfare coming, they get hit with that spirit of fear and immediately say, that's impossible before they ever even give it a try. And then they come bring it into the body of Christ and they rub it up against somebody else who's going through a severe trial. And that pattern gets started, and before you know it, everybody's messed up. This is what happened to Israel. Why would it not happen to us? Israel's God's own chosen people. Why do you think it wouldn't happen to us Gentiles? Of course it would. Let's not start that pattern, guys. Don't let fear take hold. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. When you start getting fearful, God did not give you that. (laughs) you're supposed to have that power. It takes faith to believe a verse like this, guys. It takes a lot of faith. Let me give you a personal testimony of my own. Now, I'm not trying to say, look, I'm the ultimate example. I'm just telling you my story, how I relate to this. I left a 20-year career in radio communications work to move into ministry, full-time ministry. I had a good income. I had a lot of good benefits. I had seniority in the company. And God says, there's where I'm taking you. And I said, what? Lord, you want me to go where? (laughs) There? Oh, come on, God, I want ministry, but not there. The people of Israel, they wanted more inheritance, but not there. I I told the Lord, I can't go there, Lord. I, I, I can't do that. I've got back trouble, and if I lose my benefits that I have now, then what will happen to me? If I leave this job and go do that full-time ministry, I'm going to lose 90% of my income, and I did. I want to go into ministry, Lord, just not that ministry. (laughs) I was an opportunist. I was trying to take my little sinful things and use them for my own gain. I had envisioned a big church that was already well-established that I could go into some big building. I had my own little office over here, and I had all this stuff going on, and you get in front of hundreds of people, and oh, everybody's going to love you, Ray, because you're going to be such a pastor. That's not how it turned out. Actually, I'm glad I got y'all. I love this. I don't need a thousand people. I got a thousand people on the radio. But at first, when I I saw the things I was going to lose, I said, Lord, I want ministry, but not, but not like that, but not there. I wanted ministry. I knew I was called. Okay, there it is, right? But not there. You see, see how stupid that sounds? I mean, it really sounds dumb. Are y'all blessed here? I'm blessed because you're blessed. 
And I'm glad of this. But you know, there's also more blessing in your life that you've got to leave something to get to it. And you don't want to go there. But there's blessing in it if you'll just go do it. Oh, I had to wrestle with my doubts. And I had to learn to stop admitting defeat before even stepping into the battle. Especially since God had already given me a promise of victory. What is that promise of victory? 1 Corinthians 15 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not dependent on me. It's dependent on him. Now, Israel, they had the Abrahamic covenant behind them. They should have known that victory was assured to them to drive the Canaanites out. When God first called me to ministry, I should have known that I had victory in the promises that he gave me to go and do it. He had to work that doubt out of me. The Israelites should have known that they had assured victory to drive the Canaanites out. And through this study today, you probably thought, why didn't they just tap the power of the promise that they had available to them? Why didn't they just stick their hooks in it and go, there's that promise, grab it and let's go do it. Did you actually think that? I did. Why didn't you do it? It's something I, I have for us to think about here now is if they should have had faith, and God's promise over their warfare, then shouldn't we have faith in God's promise over our warfare too? It's easy to point at them, oh, you, you crazy people. Why don't you wake up? Why don't you? Hello, Ray, you crazy person. Why don't you wake up? Why don't you go out and do the things that God gave you assurance that you can do? Did you know that you have assurance given to you in the Bible that you can do the things God calls you to do? Do you think God would call you to do something and not help you do it? If God's going to call you to it, he's going to lead you through it. And they're not really taking God's word for this. They need to have faith in him. It's easy to point our finger at Israel, but what about us? 1 John 4, 4 says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You get saved by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells you, okay? And then you got these gigantozoid problems come at you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's part of your victory assurance right there. And you need to tap that promise. The power of that promise is available to you. It's like a water faucet. You just need to turn it on. There's no need to be afraid of your own Canaanites. Ooh, with their big iron chariots. Oh, Ray, I've got this big bill coming. I've got this plumbing problem at the house. My car is breaking down. Oh, those Canaanites and their big iron chariots. <laughs> You've got assurance of victory when you know that Jesus is greater than your own Canaanites are. Don't let your faith diminish down into fear to where you start admitting defeat before you ever even step into the battle. If you do that, you will, you will start a pattern and that pattern will affect other people, and it will get them to doing the same thing. Do you know that you have what's called a sphere of influence? It's like a big giant ball that you're in the middle of, and everywhere you go, that ball extends out, and everybody that you bump into, even person X in the airport that you say hi to one time, and you never see them again, somehow you have an influence over them. How you conduct yourself, whether you've got a scowl on your face or a smile, People see that kind of stuff, and you have an influence on people. If you've got a pattern of defeat, you will push out a pattern of defeat. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.